Welcome to the United City Church Podcast, where we think God is much less concerned about where you've been than where you're going. We really believe this message will help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Enjoy. So if you have a Bible, what I would love for you to do is I'd love you to turn to the book of Psalms. If you don't, um, it'll be up on the screen. The Bible's split into two sections, an Old and a New Testament. The Old Testament tells us the stories about Jewish people in history. Uh, lots of stuff that we use, how to live our lives. The New Testament is about Jesus, the church, the resurrection, how the church existed. They baptized people, 3,000 people in one day. We're gonna baptize about eight to 10 today. So I can't even imagine how tired all those guys were after the 3,000 people in that one day. And so, but hey, if we keep growing and we keep doing what we're doing, I'm down for baptizing 3,000 people in one day if y'all wanna get on that train. It's all right. So if you have a Bible, uh, Psalm 112, and this is what it says uh, right here, starting in verse five, it says, good will come to the one who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. He will never be what? Uh, let's say He will never be what? Shaken. He will never be shaken. The righteous one will be remembered for what? For forever. And so the type of legacy that we want to leave for our friends, for our family, for our church, and for the kingdom of God is that the one who lends generously and conducts his business fairly, you'll never be shaken, amen? You'll, you'll be remembered for forever. Now, and there's something that, that reminds me so much about Legacy. I, I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a father. And this weekend, uh, we're talking about legacy. Friday night, we decided we was gonna go to the movies. Uh, there's a great movie, a family movie uh, called Playing with Fire. I think it's a John Cena movie. He was like doing this movie. It was hilarious. All right. So the movie was great. But when we got there, my wife Amanda bought tickets. And so you know, if you purchase tickets online, sometimes you don't pay attention to the seats. And so when we showed up to the movies, I walked in, and she goes. All right, so we're looking at this. It's seat four, five, and six. But guess what? There wasn't in seat six. There was no seat. And it was because it was for somebody who had a disability. And so when I showed up, I was like, so where am I supposed to sit? Am I supposed to sit in the back? Am I supposed to sit crisscross applesauce like a kid? Like, what am I supposed to do? So we went, we got it all worked out, worked out. And I wanted to think, you know, Man, I'm leaving a legacy for my family. They think so much about me that they didn't even give me a seat to the movie. Now, I don't know about you, but I think oftentimes when it comes to leaving a legacy, we, we forget that a legacy is, is crucial. A legacy is something that you leave after you leave. You know that there's more to this life than just this life. As a matter of fact, scripture will help us when, when, it, when we wanna motivate people. See, Jesus used motivation all the time to motivate people. And he, he would talk about this one word. Ever say one word. He would talk about this one word and he would remind people about this one word over and over and over and over and over again. And that one word is this, it's gonna pop up on the screen. That one word is heaven. He would remind people about how great heaven is, about how amazing that this time is gonna come when we'll all be united, when we'll, we'll have no more pain and no more sorrow and how life is gonna be amazing. And, and he, would, he would instruct people about heaven all the time. And, and a lot of times our problem is this, is that we are so focused on earth that we forget about what is to come and that is heaven, amen? 
Like when we read scripture and the Bible says that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're looking for something far greater than this place that we live now. And it's heaven. It's, it's a great reunion of all of us. And it, it's even the reunion of the people of your family that you don't like that know Jesus. Amen? Like it's even the reunion of the people that you struggle with that know Jesus. It is, is the reunion where everybody together, united as one on one vision, singing and worshiping. And I, I know some people think like, we, we've given people a bad idea of what heaven was like, all right? Or what it's gonna be like. I, I went to, um, I went to a, uh, like a, a scare tactic, like heaven, hell type deal one time during, uh, during Halloween. And you know how it is like, a church will put on, and I'm not, I don't knock any church that does. I think that they're great things, but sometimes we, we try to use scare tactics to get people to heaven. We're like, no, we should just talk to them about Jesus. Like, we don't have to scare them there. Like, we, we can just have great conversations. And I, I walked in, and, and when I walked into this scene that was hell, I was like, well, this is kind of cool. Like, it looked a lot more cool. And then I got to heaven, the scene where heaven is supposed to be, and I walked in, and I was like, this looks really boring. It was, a, it was some gold sheets and one golden Christmas ball. And I was like, if this is how we're gonna portray it, I wanna go back to the other place. It looked a lot more fun than going to this place that we call heaven. And it's because there's a, a bad theology about heaven. You know, my, my dad, who has gone on to be with Jesus, when my dad passed away, a couple days before he passed away, he, he looked at the nurse and he told her, he said, I'm ready you ever notice that when people get older, they start realizing that life is a little bit shorter? You got that grandma or grandpa or that family member who's like, man, I'm just ready. I'm ready for something far greater than this life that I've lived. And, and they remind themselves about heaven and the, the greatness of, of not having to, to fight with what's going on on earth. They, they remind themselves of the greatness of who God is and the, the things that they don't have to deal with anymore and, and no more pain and no more suffering. I've watched both of my parents are now in heaven. I watched my mom battle cancer for four years. I watched my dad abruptly have a heart attack and three days later wind up being with Jesus. I've experienced some things in my life and, and one of the things that my dad always would motivate me about is that there is something far greater beyond this world than where we're living now. There's nothing like the hope of heaven, amen? There's nothing like the hope of heaven. As a matter of fact, today, you're gonna see people be baptized in water, come up out of that water, and we don't golf clap at our church, okay? I know there's a golf course behind us, but we shout and we scream because this is something that is heaven-like. We're gonna have a rejoicing time. It's gonna be a wonderful time. There's nothing like the hope of heaven. Here's what 1 Timothy says. It says, instruct those who are rich in the present age, not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on who? On God, who richly provides with us all things to enjoy. Now, hear, hear me out. I think God wants us to enjoy things, all right? Uh, but I also think that, that we should be more apt to think about the enjoyment of people finding life in Jesus than anything in this world more than our finances, more, more than our homes that we live in, more than the cars that we buy. We should be so pumped about people finding life and having hope in heaven. And then in verse 18, it says, instruct them to do what is good, 
to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Then it goes on and it says, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Amen? Like, I, I, I think so often we store up treasures for us here. We're, we're so focused on the things that we have here. And, and, and I wanna direct your life towards eternity a little bit to put our focus and our thought processes on something far greater than our houses and our cars and all these things. And listen, these things aren't bad. As a matter of fact, God gave them to us. They're, they're wonderful for us to enjoy. However, we've got to store up treasures in heaven. We've got to be focused on heaven. We've got to be focused on what is to come. And when, when Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, it is looking forward to a, a new creation, something far greater than we can ever imagine or think or believe. It is heaven. And here's why you need to direct your life towards eternity. Here's the first reason why you need to direct your life towards eternity. Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Amen? Like heaven, not earth, is my home. Do you understand that you're just passing through? You understand this is just a moment? As a matter of fact, most of us live for this moment and don't realize that we will spend the rest of our lives living. I I find it interesting that, that... Jesus would spend 33 years in preparation to, for, or spend 30 years in preparation for the last three years of his life. That he would spend that time thinking and believing that I could lead people to something far greater than themselves, that, that we could leave a legacy. And one of the greatest things I can tell you as a pastor is this, is that when you leave a legacy, it's not gonna be easy. Like life is not gonna be easy. As a matter of fact, there's gonna be people that are gonna be baptized today. We're gonna rejoice, we're gonna shout. It's gonna be an eventful day. And they're gonna wake up tomorrow and they're gonna go to work and something's gonna happen that's not heaven-like because we deal with non-heaven things here on earth. (laughs) We we deal with people, right? We deal with jobs, we deal with finances, we we deal with earthly things all the time. And when we read scripture, we often see this, that Jesus's disciples would come to him with an earth problem and he would tell them, don't let your hearts be troubled. As a matter of fact, every time the disciples would bring Jesus an earth problem, he would offer them an eternal solution. They're like, man, God, it's, it's, it's tough. That's okay, I got an eternal solution. Heaven is coming. Heaven, fix your eyes on eternity. Heaven is far greater than you can imagine. It's not the little golden ball with some golden like try. It's it's not us like with wings flying around like a Cupid. You know, it's, it's none of that stuff. It is so good. It is so amazing. And yet we spend our lives building things for us here when we should spend our lives focused on eternity. Philippians 3, verse 18 through 20 says, for I have often told you, and now say it again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. You know what he's he's saying? is like their God is the things that they long for, the things they want on earth, the things that will fulfill them only for a time, the things that will only fulfill us for a moment. He says that their, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on what? 
They're focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is where? In heaven. Our citizenship. Like, this is not my home. I am a citizen of something far greater than the earth that I live in, the earth that I live on. It's heaven. And we eagerly await for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about legacy, I think about much more than just your time. I think about your finance as well. I think about your future. I think about what you're leaving your kids. I think about how you're going to leave them something that outlives you. And legacy is crucial when we, we talk about leaving something for somebody that's going to, to outlive you. You know, sometimes in church, people don't like to talk about money. And here's what I would suggest to us today. Some people don't like us talking about finance because they think earth is actually better than heaven. See, I told you it would get quiet. We say, oh man, churches, all they care about is the money side. All we care about is the heaven side, amen? Like, did you know that the reason that we get to baptize people, I said it last week, is that somebody gave. The reason that we get to have this facility is because somebody gave. The reason that we get to see people cross over into eternity is not because somebody was stingy, but because somebody was generous, amen? Like, and so often we live our lives with closed fists. And we don't want anybody to have what's in our fists. I got a nine-year-old. She's a single child, the only child. She likes all her stuff to be hers. And isn't it funny how when you see kids, if they have something in their hands and another kid tries to take it, what do I do? That's mine. Ain't hey, touching that. Uh, I have a little niece. She's amazing. Uh, she's a couple years old. And the other day, Cooper was with her. We were at our in-law's house and, and Kennedy had some things in her hands. And Cooper went to touch one of them and just said, hey, look at this. And she goes, no, these are mine, Cooper. These belong to me. Those are not yours. They're mine. And so many of us live our lives with closed fists saying, this is mine. This is mine. Everything is mine. I've worked for my stuff. I want all my things. And here's the reality. The things that you have are not yours. They're God's. And if we would live our lives like this, instead of like this, we would reach so many more people. So many more people would be baptized every week. So many more people would have new life in heaven. But instead, we live our lives closed fists instead of open-handed. And you know that if I've never, I have yet to see a football player catch a ball with their hands like this. It's impossible, especially if it's coming from a guy in the NFL who can throw it really hard. Like I have yet to see Aaron Rodgers receiver be like, throw it here, I'm ready. You know why? Because you can't receive anything with your fists closed. You can only receive something with your hands open, amen? Like you can only receive something with your hands open and oftentimes we spend our lives like this. Mm. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Maybe just me. But I'm telling you, some people don't like us talking about finance because they are more concerned about what they have on this earth than what eternity is giving us. 
We baptize people because people gave. We have this facility because people gave. We have what we have because people were open-handed and they gave resource and time, not just money. Do you know that this morning at seven o'clock, six o'clock, there were people in here setting that up so that somebody could get baptized today? That there were people filling that up. And as you know what, we got here, we had a hole in our baptism and we're trying to figure it out. Guess what we went and did? We went and bought some, what we go and buy, Rush? What? Yeah, that seal stuff, that guy that's on the commercial, he's like, shoom. And like, we just went and bought some of that. I don't even know if it works. We're about to flex seal. Yes, flex seal. And so we went and bought some flex seal, all right? And, and people got here early and we, we started setting up and we had, we had problems. And then we, we got here, we sat on something. And you know what? Every time baptism Sunday happens, we got issues. And you wanna know why? Because there is something in eternity that says that we did, that doesn't want this to happen. There is an enemy that doesn't want baptism to happen. But here's why. Because when we do baptism, we take enemy territory. And when we live our lives open-handed and generously, I'll tell you, we can take all the territory we have because we have a God who can give us more and immeasurably than we can think, dream, or believe, or ask because he's that kind of God, amen? So often, we're just concerned about now. The second thing, that you should be focused on is this, is that there is, because there is limited time and incredible opportunity right now. In our society, there's limited time and incredible opportunity. Most of my family, uh, my dad and a lot of his family, they passed away in their 60s. That's young. And when I turned 30, 35, my first thought was, I'm, all, I'm halfway dead. And I started looking at life a little bit different. I started thinking, what am I leaving to my family? What am I leaving? And I, and I decided, you know what? I'm gonna outlive all them. I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna eat right. I'm gonna do whatever I can to make sure I outlive them. Everybody on earth has limited time, but not everybody has an incredible opportunity. Did you know that? Did you know that we live in the United States of, an, of America? What an incredible opportunity to reach the masses in the world with the resource that we have. Did you know that there are other countries who do not have what we have? They have, they have the same amount of time, they just don't have the resource. And as a church, United City is always gonna be about the resource to reach people. It's always gonna be how we can go out and bless those who mainly feel like they're not blessed. You know, I just think we're blessed, right? God blessed Texas with his own hand, right? We might as well just sing the old country song if we need to. Like, we are resource people. We got resource. And so often we're like this instead of like this. We've gotta be giving that resource away. There is limited time, but there has never been a better opportunity or a time in history. There are 2.7 million unchurched people in the Metroplex. Hello. 2.7 million unchurched people. Do you know that DFW gained 1 million people in less than a decade? Whew. Time is of the essence. Fort Worth is now the 13th largest city in the U.S. Fort Worth. Yeah, all the people who live here or didn't move here are like, what? That's because we, we got to take our energy and our focus. We got to think about how like, yo, I have got to use my resource to reach more people. You know, a recent study showed that Fort Worth alone has attracted and retained millennials and a lot of diversity. Fort Worth has, not Dallas, Fort Worth. 
And it goes on and it says it was the third fastest growing city in the nation over that period of time, trailing only Seattle and Austin. Now our city that we live in, in a recent study some years ago, about three years ago, we were the fastest growing city in the nation. That follows the consistent consensus estimates that showed this. Fort Worth gained 20,000 people last year compared to Dallas's 2,000 people. I ain't hating on Dallas, but I'm a Cowboys fan. We ain't doing that. But the opportunity is alive and it is active and we need to live our lives generously. We need to give our time generously. We need to give our finance generously. We need to give our hearts generously because there is an opportunity. This place is waiting for a church that is not gonna be shaken. This place is waiting for a church that's gonna be generous. This place is waiting for some people who are gonna get on board and say, listen, I'm ready to see my city change. I'm ready to give everything I have for my church to see people Find life in eternity. People find life in eternity. Ephesians 5 says this. It says, says, pay careful attention then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Let's live as wise people. If we're gonna be wise, if if we're gonna live in this time, let's be wise. Let's let's look at what we have in front of us. We have an area where the average age is 33, we have an area where families, you know, we have an area where people are moving not from Dallas to Fort Worth, but from California to Fort Worth. We have an area where people are moving from the Midwest and the Northeast and the West Coast to Fort Worth. We have an opportunity. The third thing is this, because it's smart. It's just smart. It's smart, it's smart, it's smart to have this idea to put our life towards eternity. You know, Jesus motivated people towards generosity all the time. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 through 20 says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in what? Oh yeah, in heaven. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven whether, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal your stuff. For where your treasure is, There, your heart will be also. You know, I can tell where your treasure is. Let me see your bank account. Mine's like (laughs) Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love some Chick-fil-A. We know where my treasure's in. That number two spicy chicken sandwich. And french fries. Mm. It is closed on Sundays for Kanye. And so like, uh, like, but... Matthew 6 tells us that our treasure is where our heart is. We have to have hearts of God. We have to have hearts for our city. It's okay to have earthly investments, okay? I'm not saying don't make any investments on earth. Please don't don't take this the wrong way. We should be making earthly investments, but our earthly investments should be impacting heaven. It should be. It should be impacting all of heaven, God is saying, make sure your hearts are in the right place. If you've ever made an investment in a stock or in anything that's supposed to give you a greater return, what do you do? You watch it. 
You make an investment in a stock, you're always pulling up the stock market. Ooh, man, it's going to be a good return. It's going to be the greatest return. You know the best investment you can make, the greatest return of investment is in the kingdom of God? It will not, it, you, you can't outgive it. it. It's gonna be the greatest reward in your life. And here's why, because some of you have been invited today, people are sitting next to you and the greatest investment is for them to see you watch them get baptized. The greatest investment for them is their, last week we sat in our next class and we had a person go to our next class we had another person that invited them. I got to sit and watch a person invite a person that received Christ while we just sat in there and talked about Jesus. And I said, your, eternity, your eternal fruit is showing now. You invited somebody, they found Jesus, their lives are changed for forever, their history's changed, their destiny's changed, all because you made the investment of an invitation. This is not just a financial thing. It's also a willingness to say, I'm gonna give my time. I'm gonna give everything I have to know that somebody has an opportunity. In the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be doing a series called At the Movies. You're like, what? The greatest time you can invite somebody is when popcorn is in church. You wanna know why? Because people wanna sit next to you and be like, you got popcorn in your church? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna share spiritual, you know, I'm gonna share spiritual truths from certain movies. And people are gonna show up like crazy. Like, I didn't know that we could watch stuff like this in the church. And we're gonna get on stage, we're gonna tell people how much Jesus loves them. And we're gonna tell them about how good God is because God can use a movie to wreck somebody's life spiritually. He can use a movie to change somebody's lives for eternity because that's the kind of God I serve, amen. Here's what the book of Luke says. It says this, then... He told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do? Since I don't have anywhere to store my crops, I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store up all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many good, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Then it goes on and it says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night, you, your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Storing up all these things for you, the things you prepared for you, who are they gonna be? Who are they gonna be for? The Bible goes on and it says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You're building up, oh, I don't have enough stuff, I need something bigger to put all my storage up. Like, you ever seen like the, the people who like build these amazing places, they got all this stuff just on lockdown in case a zombie apocalypse happens? <laughs> storing up treasures in case the zombies happen. Why can't you store up treasures so you can have a cool room with an Xbox in it, all right? Like, no, well, store up treasures for yourself. Store up treasures in heaven. Don't, don't build more stuff so that you can store more stuff. And here's why. Because it's gonna get rusty. It's gonna get moldy. It's gonna get bad. I have a bicycle that sits in my garage that I'm supposed to teach my child how to ride and I haven't yet. And guess what's happening? The, the tires on it are starting to crack. It's starting to get rusty. It's starting to not operate the way it should. And here's why. Because I have not invested in trying to help my child ride the bike. So my return of rate is zero because I put no investment in what I should. So there are four ways that you can be rich towards God. And here they are, we're gonna do this quick, all right? There are four ways that you can be rich towards God. The first way is this, you can give myself to God. At this church, you will hear this a lot. We want people to know God. 
At the end of the day, if you came today and you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. Last week, we had, I talked about finances last week. We had two people get saved. It was crazy. I was like, most people don't get saved when you talk about Jesus and money. No, it, like people raise their hands and get saved. Like it was crazy. Like we, we, we just believe that if you'll give yourself to God, he'll do the rest. As a matter of fact, I, I love this quote from, from John Bonnell. It says this, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. Mm, that's so good. If, if one gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. Close-fisted, open-handed. What kind of person do you wanna be? Then the Bible says this, it says, don't you know, it says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. You are not your own for you were bought with what? A price. You were paid for. You were bought with the price. So glorify God with your what? With your body. Not just that. That means your whole body. Glorify God with everything you have. It's not yours. It's God's. He bought you with a price. A price that was so precious. A price that we can't even repay back. A price where a man just gave his life so that you could live in freedom. We, we want people to know God. The next thing that we want them to do, we want people to find freedom. Some of you, you're in financial bondage. You need to have freedom. You need to act like a steward and not an owner. And here's the deal. A steward is this, just somebody who takes care of what they have. Act like a steward, not an owner. So too many owners are, are concerned about what they have and not what they're giving away. I don't think that the kingdom of God is that way. As a matter of fact, it's always upside down. It's not right side up. It's that the first shall be last. It's that those who serve would, would give. It's that, it's that not that you hold on to everything so that you can eventually be blessed, it's so that you give away so that you can be blessed. And, and I'm not talking about like, let's just make packs to God and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna give this and you're gonna return that back to me. No, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I don't operate that way. I'll never do that. But the greatest thing you can do is act like a steward and not an owner. First Corinthians says, don't you know that your body is the temple? That you were bought with a price. Like, if God owns you, then act like he owns you. That he owns all of you. Your time, your resource, your finance, your life. Not 99%, not 98, all of it. The third thing is this. View everything through the lens of eternity. View everything through the lens of eternity. Here's what the book of Hebrews says. It says, and Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. Mm. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt. Since he was looking ahead to the reward. Moses was looking ahead to the reward, the, the, the heaven that was coming, the, the eternity that wasn't just temporary, that was forever. If you've ever seen the movie Sandlot, there's a scene in there where he says forever. Eternity forever. Like there's something so great about eternity. View everything through that lens. And the last thing is this, be intentional. 
Here's what I believe as a pastor. I will never beg you. We're not gonna drive you with like emotion. I don't believe in that stuff. What I believe is that if we cast good vision and people's lives are changed, that people will live with open hands because they've seen the rewards of their own fruits of their invitation. Second Corinthians says each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Like you should decide what you do with your own heart. You know, you know what? we've never at our church been like, hey, you need to give this. We're just not because you should decide out of your own heart without reluctancy or compulsion. And we will eventually, we'll talk about tithe and all that stuff that's in the future. But I, I wanna prepare you for eternity. That I'm not going to try to manipulate you. I'm just gonna share vision. That in the next few months, we're gonna see people's lives radically changed by the power of God. And that you get to play a part in that. You know that God loves cheerful givers. I think so often we live our lives as people with closed fists and we don't like to give. But God loves it when we're generous with the way that we live our lives. Time, our finances, our talents, our treasures. Some of you guys are like, what should I do next? How should I give? You, you know you have to give financially. What you should do is take your next step and go to our next class. Find a place where, where you could connect and serve and grow. Thank you for joining us. For more information, you can visit unitedcityfw.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, rate, and even share with your friends. Thanks for being with us today.